let's love him. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you. We love you, God. I love you, Jesus. There's a uh, young man was just on this platform. He's the last one off. Wherever he is, he's a keeper. As he was going by, he said, you look younger every year. <laughs> Whoever that kid is, God love him. <laughs> I know he's not lying. He's just being kind. It is, uh, uh, I'm going to let you be seated just for a moment. It's more than great to be here. I apologize uh, my plane was supposed to have landed a little after 2 o'clock yesterday, and I was fully planned. I mean, it was like, duh, I get to hear Brother Bass last night. And uh, so between late planes, slow car rental places, and uh, rain and snow, car wrecks, not me, I mean, I just saw it. And um, I got to the room, and I, I, I would have just, anyway, I had to change my shirt and uh, got to the room, and it was 9 o'clock. And I sat on the bed, and it was over. It was dead, it was done. But my heart was with you, brother. <laughs> and if I could have been here, I was, I was trying, and I thought I would be. And, and um, I, I, someone that was texting me about my deal, I said, tell brother and sister Mayo I gave it my best shot. So it is good to be here today. And uh, boy, we just were blessed. We were beyond blessed. We were, we were more than edified. We were more than strengthened. We were given understanding. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Bo. Thank you very, very, very much. I, um, I'm not going to just delay all this, but I read something here a while back, and I've made mention of it a few places in some messages, but uh, in the mid-1800s, I think he died in the 70s, 1870s, if I'm not mistaken, but there was a man named Victor Hugo in France, lived mainly in Paris, Victor Hugo wrote the book La Miserable. It takes, give or take, 65 hours to read the book. It's a tome. He wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame. He wrote two other tomes um, that were just as big. He wrote almost a thousand poems, 4,000 etchings and paintings. And when he died, he was one of the most beloved men, and is to this day one of the most beloved men in all of. French history, and um, they have no idea how many books La Miserable sold. Nobody knows. It's impossible to tell. But they know that since they produced a play about it, obviously vastly shortened, over a billion people in this world have seen that play, over a billion in the last 30 years. But somebody asked Victor Hugo one time, of all the works of literature ever produced in the entire world, if every single one of them were to be destroyed and you could save only one 
piece of literature, what would that be? And he said it would be the book of Job. Everybody gets to sip or drink or gulp from the book of Job somewhere in our life. And so it's a, and the first one ever given. You think God didn't know what this thing was going to be all about? First book given. Here you go, boy. Take it from there. And so thank God. And it never gets old. Never gets old. Never, ever, ever gets old. Never gets old. Now that, I do, I do want you to know that you just messed up about seven really good sermons I got about Job's wife. That's, that's, uh, that's horrible what, what, what scripture can do to a good sermon, praise God. But anyway, anyway, we'll have to, we'll have to work on that one. Now, having said that, could we stand? And we're going to go to Isaiah chapter number 41. Isaiah 41, we're going to start with verse 15. I do want to say to Brother and Sister Mayo and to this church, God bless you. And um, you all play an important role in the kingdom. You really do. You really do. And so we thank you not only for this meeting, but for anything and everything that this church stands for and that it does, not just here in Spokane, but um, throughout this nation and world. Your fingerprints are in a lot of places. And uh, when God reckons it up and he, he divvies it out, you can't give a cup of cold water without having your reward. He keeps very good books. He keeps very good books. And he's got it all sorted out. So, so just keep it up, not only to this church, but everybody under the sound of my voice. And that day is soon to come. He's going to get us out of here. I don't know when, but I know how. But he's going to get us out of here. Now, uh, Isaiah 41, when I, when I woke up this morning, I was in between two messages and um, when the young man asked me if I knew the title, I told him I was in between two. But I gave him this because I was feeling a strong lean that way. And obviously I'm not preaching Brother Bo's message, but there is a, uh, the Spirit of the Lord here this morning. I really, totally, absolutely am thoroughly convinced that um, not only is this meeting ordained of God, but every message you will hear, I think, and that I think um, God's here this morning for a special purpose. And I, as well, am very excited about hearing all of the other speakers, and, and I love them all deeply, and everybody here, amen. But in the book of Isaiah 41, verse 15, behold... I will make thee, everybody say, me. me. That's the thee right there. He's talking to Israel, but we must make application. There's a reason. I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Thou shalt thresh 
not just a field, but the mountains and beat them small and shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them and the wind shall carry them away and the whirlwind shall scatter them and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord and shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. Let's ask God to really, really, really talk to every one of us. And in the course of your prayer, say, God, talk to me. Lord Jesus, talk to me. Talk to every heart under the sound of our voice. We stand in awe of your glory, your presence. We thank you for your faithfulness and your word and your love toward us. Lord God, you are great and gracious. Oh God, we stand, God, recognizing not only our need of you, but our love from you. Anoint every heart to receive. Anoint your servant, God, we ask. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you so much. You may be seated. Now, as I made brief mention of, in this uh, portion of the book of Isaiah, he is, technically speaking, um, talking to the nation of Israel. Isaiah has given them uh, a lot of bad news in this book, but he's also given them a lot of very, very good news. And incorporated into a lot of the good news is the best news that Israel would ever receive if they would receive it. And that is that the Messiah really is coming. And he does that in this chapter as well as the one after, the one after, the one after, the one after, and the one before, and then scattered throughout. And uh, with the Messiah coming, he's going to so change things in Israel that they would be the head and not the tail. Where, where Israel missed it was that when they looked at Messianic prophecies, never in their mind did they somehow equate two comings. One as a suffering Messiah and the other as a victorious Messiah where he would come back again. They, they could not delineate in those, in those prophecies, so they just simply basically, in the main, ignored uh, those prophecies that deal with him and his sufferings, of which there are many, many, many scriptures we won't get sidetracked going into. They would, at best, they would say, well, that's Israel. That's not Messianic. And uh, yet we did see Jesus fulfill all of those. And we're going to see Jesus fulfill all the rest. Because we're watching many things that he said. When you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head because your redemption is drawing nigh. And brother, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. Your neighbors that don't know God know something's fixing to pop. Everybody knows. Everybody knows around the world. It can't go on like this. And so the answer is coming. So in this process of letting Israel know that one of the things will be fulfilled is they'll be like a sharp threshing instrument, etc. And, um, uh, and all that they're going to do, they're going to thresh mountains 
Amen. They're going to beat mountains small. And these are not literal mountains. These are spiritual. These are mental. These are oppressive. These are historical. Um, mountains that have withstood them, etc., and that they have brought on themselves. But the victory is coming. Now, in one paraphrase, Taylor puts it this way. He said, ye shall be a new and sharp-toothed threshing instrument to tear all enemies apart, making chaff of mountains. You shall toss them in the air. The wind shall blow them all away. Whirlwinds shall scatter them. And the joy of the Lord shall fill you full. Ye shall glory in the God of Israel. Now that is powerful. Yeah. Were we just to take off from there, and as Brother Bo said, there's nothing wrong um, with uh, challenging, promising messages about God's victory and power and on and on and on. Uh, and we will go there. But sometimes, while that's going on, and perhaps, just perhaps, there may be someone here under the sound of my voice that even when Brother Bo was preaching, you might be sitting there thinking, but I know me. And I don't have Job's character. You may be here and thinking, and I know me, and there have been times maybe I didn't curse God, but I was well nigh. Maybe I've doubted God, and, and on and on and on, fill in the blanks. And so we, we rejoice and we hope, but so often in life we say, yes, but I know me. Well, let me tell you something. God knows you too. And God knew you when he called you. And God knew you when he filled you with the Holy Ghost. And if you're here today without the Holy Ghost, he knows you and he wants to give you the Holy Ghost. Duh. Amen. So just in case you wonder if he knows you, now we have read verses 15 and 16. But now we're going to qualify this and read verse 14. He says, fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth, and thou shalt thresh the mountains. This wasn't just good news to Men of Israel. This covered the worms of Jacob as well. And he said, I'm working with every one of you. And I ain't stopping until I get my job done. Hallelujah. Now, when it comes to the phraseology of Jacob Israel, Jacob Israel, it is scattered throughout Scripture. The book of Isaiah is heavy into it, but it's not the only place, not by a long shot. When we go back to Jacob, 
the worm Jacob versus the man Israel, uh, we got to go way back to some root source. And in Genesis 32, we don't, I don't know how fast you are. You can pull these up or not. We'll, I'm going to keep trucking. So uh, it's however it works. In verse chapter 32, verse 26, and he, Jacob, has been wrestling with an angel. And he, the angel of the Lord, says to Jacob, let me go for the day breaketh. And he, Jacob, said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, so you want a blessing? He said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, here's your blessing, if you please. Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Now, he'd already sunk the sinew of his thigh and, uh, uh, and, and the sinew, I have read of a person's thigh, this, this, this connecting tendril that, that ties that frame together with your hip. They say that it's the single strongest portion of your body and, uh, and that if you took two horses and were somehow able to get a hold of each end of the tendril with a uh, rope or anything like that and, 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 and whip the horses that they, good chance they couldn't break that, that tendril. And when many times they based that because when people were drawn and quartered, which meant they'd get a horse tied to an arm, each arm and a horse to each leg, and they'd whip all four horses at once and a person would be taken into four pieces Amen. That sinew of their thigh was intact. Other things would rip apart. But the sinew of the thigh was not ripped apart. Because it was so very, very strong. Well, that's what the angel of the Lord smote. And it shrunk. And so from that day, he walked with a limp. And the old adage, but it's still true, is that he was now out of step with his world. But he was in step with his God. And the more we walk in step with God, the less the world, we don't fit. We don't fit. Amen. The, the carnal man, he can't understand the spiritual man. He just, he, to them, they think we're limping. They have no idea. No, we're not limping, honey. We're walking with God. We're walking with God. We're walking with God. And so... With this, he still wrestles on, hangs on, and says, the angel of the Lord says, let me go. The day breaketh. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. So that point, he changes his name from Jacob, which means guile or supplanter. Amen. Uh, another corporated thing in there is heel grabber. And uh, I'm changing that to Israel, which means prince with God or power with God. So it's no longer Jacob. Now it's Israel. Now God uses this many times. We're going to look at just a few, few. Uh, I have another message on this where it just goes on and on and on and on and on. But the most classic and important to us is Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 8, for unto us a child is born, 
Unto us a son is given, Messianic, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice henceforth forever. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. And then verse 8. The Lord sent a word unto Jacob and it hath lighted upon Israel. The entire nation and generations hence have heard this word, but it didn't light on everybody. Not everybody got it. All of Jacob heard it, but it lighted upon Israel. Ah, they got it. That which was the carnal, that which was guile, that which was the supplanter, amen, it, it, didn't, it didn't catch it. But those that were of the nature of Israel, that changed nature, that name of prince with God, they caught it. And that's the way it still works. This is what took place in Numbers 24 when Balak hires Balaam. He sends men on a 17-day journey one way to bring back Balaam, who was a prophet. And uh, so he's a, he's a carryover from, from earlier days. And uh, there were people that were godly, such as Job, etc. And so he's a carryover. He's a prophet of great renown. He's a prophet of Jehovah God. And, uh, but he's not a, God's doing a new thing with the nation of Israel being led out by Moses. And so when he is finally comes and, and he's got these visions of, of uh, houses full of gold and silver and all of this stuff from Balak, and, and so he begins to prophesy, and he does prophesy. He, he doesn't just get up and, and make a pseudo-statement. He knows, he does know, he does know. He has to try to change God's mind about his statement that these people are blessed and not going to be cursed. Hence his trying to placate God with all these sacrifices and offerings and, and on and on and on and on and on. It's, it's funny what some people try to do with God in their giving, etc. Be that as it may, uh, he stands up and the Spirit of God comes on him and some of the most powerful prophecies in the Bible, not the most, but some of the most, come from the mouth of Balaam. One of the things he says in his first prophetic utterance is how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. Wow. Now, those are plural. It's plural in tabernacles, not just one tabernacle. It's tabernacles. And uh, so as he looked out in the spirit realm he picks up and God speaks. He sees tents wherein Jacob dwells and a tabernacle is where God dwells. And so Jacob just has tents, but those which are of Israel, they have tabernacles. I don't want to live in a house. I want it to be a tabernacle. I want God to be in my house. I want God to be in my family. I don't want to be a place where we just live. We get up, we go to work, we come home, we eat, we go to... No, 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 no. God's got to be there. People got to feel it when they walk inside. 
Amen. When people come to do business, they say, why does it feel so peaceful in this house? Which we all know that happens. What's so special about this place? It's a tabernacle, sir. It's a tabernacle. And so Jacob had tents, but Israel had tabernacles. This is one reason I think in John 1.47, when Jesus saw Nathanael, Andrew had beckoned him, and he's coming to him, and he saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Ooh, this is an Israelite. There's no Jacob in him. He's the real deal. This is the real deal. And again, this is everywhere, but in Isaiah 27 and 6, he shall cause them, this is good news, that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. So while Israel is blossoming and budding, he doesn't forget Jacob. They may be behind Israel, but I'm gonna still work with Jacob and I'm gonna cause them to take root. Amen, I'm not stopping. They're gonna take root. I'm gonna keep working with you, Jacob. I want you also to blossom and bud. Amen. Isaiah 44 and five. This is very important. One shall say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. So, I want to be more than just Jacob. I want to be more than just a child of God. I, I want to be hooked up. I, 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 I want to I be a prince with God. I want to have power with God. I want to be an Israelite indeed. There needs to be something in us that says, I'm not satisfied with the dimension of just Jacob. I'm not getting out of business. And the beautiful thing is God's not getting out of the business either. He won't give up if you won't give up. Hang in there, baby. He knows where you are. He loves you. Now we're going to be one or the other, but God loves both. Amen. God loves both. Amen. This is why in 43.1, but now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. I'm going to tell you, when you're born again, you created a new creature. But then the process begins where he molds and makes us and he forms us. I don't want to be just born again. I, I want to be molded into his image. Amen. I'm, I, we, we, we come into this speaking in other tongues, baptized in Jesus' name, and, and, and here we are. But sometimes we're without form and void. And it's, it's, it's like, I mean, man, the night I got baptized, I went home. Five nights later, I got the Holy Ghost. For a while, I still wore my jeans that were nothing but patches sewed together. And it took me a while, my hair was to hear, it took me a while to get it to hear. 
And my pastor said, you're like the guy that had a dog, had a bad tail. He didn't want to put him through pain, so he took it off an inch at a time. And, and, and the first time I came to church, my shirt wasn't buttoned. And I don't rem- I hope I had a t-shirt on, please. <laughs> Amen. But I, I got the Holy Ghost April 6th, got baptized April 2nd. And wow, I was a new creation. I was without form and void. But if you let him form you and mold you and make you and teach you and lead you and guide you. Amen. You belong to him. You belong to him. He loves you. Amen. And this is why he said, don't be afraid, thou worm Jacob, and don't be afraid, you men of Israel. I'm going to help you. I'm your redeemer. God does not give up. Amen. Now, this is why he said in Isaiah 42, 3, bruised reed he shall not break. Smoking flax he shall not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Amen. He doesn't stop working. If he were to break every bruised reed... None of us would be here today. Not a one of us. But he kept working with us. Time and again, he was patient. He was patient. He was patient. Do you walk into somebody's house and and, and say, hey, where's your kids? I got rid of them. How come? Well, I got on to him the other day. He was playing with the butter and he wouldn't stop. How about you? I kicked him out. He wouldn't listen to me. He's out. Toast, dude. For one thing, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. I wouldn't be in those shoes. And so we work with our kids betimes. Time and time and time again. And they go, they go through all kinds of phases, just like we went through all kinds of phases. Amen. And, 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 and so it is with God. He's the perfect father. He knows how to work with us. He doesn't break bruised reeds. And, and if smoking flax, now sometimes we are ablaze with glory and fire. And other times it's like, whew, just smoke. Sorry, that's the best I got today. But God don't, he doesn't just, get the fire extinguisher, get him out. No, no, bring him to church. Bring him to church. Bring him to church. Come on. Come on back. Bring him to church. Pastor's got a word for you. Pastor's got a word. Come on, hang in there, baby. I'm not done with you. I'm going to set you ablaze again. I'm going to heal you up. I work with worms and I work with men, but I don't stop. Anybody glad God's faithful? Our God is faithful. Everybody say the name Moses. And there's hundreds of connotations that come up in our minds about just with the name Moses. 
Everything from unburning, burning bushes to Red Seas parting to shepherd staffs turning into snakes, devouring Pharaoh's serpents, on and on. Everybody say, Aaron! Shall I fill in the blank? And the golden calf. That's what he's been equated with. Aaron and the golden calf. Well, we do understand that the book of Psalms was written way after the book of Exodus. And this is what the book of Psalms says. 106.16 They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. And Aaron, the saint of the Lord. That man wrote as he was moved on by the Holy Ghost. This is why when you find the name Aaron and Moses, Moses and Aaron, their names together, You will find that over 200 times in your Bible in the same verse and sometimes more than once in a verse. They were synonymous. They worked hand in hand. They worked together. God brought them out by the hand of Moses and Aaron and it says it in that way, shape, or form betimes, putting them together. Moses was the prophet. He stood to the people for as the voice of God, Aaron was the priest. He stood to God with the needs and the frailties of the people as high priest offering sacrifices. And it took both. It took both. That's why we need preaching and we need the blood. We need truth and we need grace. That's how we get out of here. We need both. We need both. We need both. It was Moses and Aaron. And if you ever wonder how powerful it was, I want you to think with me. Balaam is in a high place and he begins to prophesy. Now there's over three million Jews out there. Three million. Three million. And we already have a lot of record about him. And let's just say there were an Israelite that scooted up somewhere close, listening. And he said, God hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither perverseness in Israel. And this guy, he runs back to the camp. Moses, Moses, that guy Balaam, he's up there prophesying. Do you know what he said about all these people you're pastoring? He said, God said he has not beheld iniquity in Jacob nor perverseness in Israel. And he first thought, I thought he was omniscient. I thought, he, no, he understood. Balaam was prophesying correctly. You know what he did? He made his way to Aaron. Said, Bubba, keep offering them sacrifices. They seem to be working. 
every morning, every night. Shed that blood. Shed that blood. It's working. It's working. It's working. It took Moses and it took Aaron. It took the man Moses. And I'm sorry if you want the worm Aaron. He didn't stop. He didn't give up. Until God would look back and say, they also gave Aaron the saint a hard time. When it's all over and said and done, however much you may doubt yourself or work through your life, when he says, I remember the saint, and he puts that crown on your head. And there's a reason, I don't care, Jacob, Israel, who are, everybody's going to take that crown and throw it at his feet. There ain't nobody going to say, well, it's about time. No, everybody. I had a friend of mine I wanted to God years ago, and he lived for God for a year or two, and then he hit the wall. He broke his teeth out. And some other people's too. But he made it. He caught himself. And God helped him. And he brought, brought him back. And he made his way back. But the condemnation. And so he'd pour his heart out to me. And I'd pour. I'd listen to him and pour my heart out to him. Tell him, you do remember, we came out of the same gutter. We were both hippies. And I finally one day I said, I'll tell you what let's do, buddy. That day when he gives us our crowns, let's me and you go to the far back of that number, which no man can number, out of every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, and let's see who can throw our crowns the farthest. Because everybody's throwing their crowns. Everybody's throwing their crowns. It's by the blood of the Lamb. It's the word of our testimony. Amen. It was God, Almighty God. This is why everybody say the word Elijah. Ooh, the connotations. 450 prophets of Baal, Baal, fire falling running through the valley of Jezreel, outrunning Ahab's chariot, on and on and on, calling forth the drought, whirlwind of fire, taken up. I would say Elijah was a man. Now he did sit under a juniper tree one time feeling sorry for himself, feeling like a worm. Saying, God, why don't you just kill me? I ain't no good. My forefathers got him in this mess, and I can't get him out. I'm just a worm. Kill me. And then God fixed to form him greater, with greater revelation. Now, let's say the name Obadiah. Most of you probably thought about that little small book, Obadiah. There's another Obadiah, and he was a contemporary of Elijah. And Ahab who the Bible says, never was there a man who gave himself so to do evil as did Ahab and his wife Jezebel, which did stir him up. Amen. Now, she would never bless nobody. Trust me. 
And, and so she, she's stirring Ahab up. I'm going to show you how to be a bigger devil than you already are. And so he would. And, uh, and so uh, Obadiah apparently was like Ahab's right-hand man. I mean, when it breaks down, nobody can find Elijah. He gets Obadiah and says, and they're looking all through. And he says, you go this way and I'll go that way. So that's all we know about Obadiah in the beginning. And then Elijah appears. He shows up. He says, hey, Obadiah, I'm over here. And he said, you go tell Ahab I'm going to meet him thus and so. And he said, oh, you say, go tell my Lord. Behold, Elijah is here. And it'll come to pass as soon as I'm gone from thee. The Spirit of the Lord is going to carry you with her. I know not. And I'm going to come and I'm going to tell Ahab. And we can't find you. And he's going to kill me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. I know I'm hanging around Ahab, but I fear God. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophet, 50 in a cave, and fed them bread and water? He did that. Now, it's obvious he was not an Elijah. Nor were the 7,000. When Elijah said, I'm the only one, God said, no, I got 7,000 that have not bowed their knees. There was only one Elijah. And he cast a shadow all the way through to the book of Revelation. But he had 7,000. This is a tacky way to put it. Some could say worms compared to Elijah. They say, we ain't much, but we ain't bowing our knee to Baal, baby. I may not be calling down fire out of heaven, but I'm not going to bow down to that devil. If they burn me, I'm going to hang in there, baby. And I know he had me write my paycheck, but I still fear God. And God didn't break them, and God didn't bring out a fire extinguisher. He kept working with them. Because God's good, and God's faithful, and God's righteous, and God don't forget. And God loves his people. This is why in Judges 6, there an angel came. Angel of the Lord is sat under an oak, which pertained unto Joash. And here came Gideon, the son of Abezrite, and he's threshing wheat by the wind press, wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. And here's Gideon behind the well. He's afraid of the Midianites. He's hiding his wheat. He's burying it. He's not winning victories. He's hiding. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, hey, worm, get up. No, that's not what he said. He may have wanted to, but that's not what he said. He said, Hail, thou mighty man of valor! You're going to win some victories for me before it's over. Your name's going to be much set by. 
you're going to change the course of history. I know what I'm doing. That's why Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say I am strong. Not I, but Christ that liveth in me. There ain't none of us very much, but he's everything. And he loves us and he won't stop. That's why he told Jacob, amen. He said, behold, when Jacob first left to go to the land of Padanaram, he's running from Esau. He meets him on the way to Syria and says, behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And that's when Jacob awoke. Amen. I'm not stopping with you, Jacob. There's a day coming. We're going to have a little wrestling match. And then I'm going to walk with you. Amen. As you limp through this life, through the highs and lows and the vicissitudes, and I'm going to be with you the day that you prophesy as patriarch over the 12 tribes of Israel. I'm not leaving you, thou worm Jacob. I'm going to make you into a man. I'm not leaving you, Gideon. I'm not, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on working. Hallelujah. This is why. Notice, David. In the 22nd Psalm, it's a messianic psalm. Okay? Seven and eight, messianic. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Verse 13, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart's like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. 15, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. You brought me to the dust of death. Dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And in verse six, but I am a worm and no man. The reproach of men despised of the people. I'm gonna tell you something. Not only do I not believe the quote, divine flesh doctrine, I'm glad Jesus is the root and the offspring of David. I'm glad for my kinsman, Redeemer. I'm glad that this God, who is a spirit, he's deathless. He cannot be tempted. He tempts no man. He cannot lie, and he certainly cannot die. This invisible God became flesh and dwelt among us. And now... This God that is bloodless 
in him is the only innocent blood that will ever beat through a human heart. And he would shed that so that we could be saved. And this God who is templeless, amen, he came and it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he could be in all points tempted like you and I, yet without sin. And this God who cannot die figured out a way he could taste death for every man. And the humanity knows. You listen to me close, please. Isaiah 42. Verse one, behold my servant, whom I uphold mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I've put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He'll not cry nor lift up or cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. Smoking flax he will not quench. He shall bring forth judgment on the truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Jehovah God speaking of those messianic days. That's Isaiah 42. Go to 49, verse 1. This is the same Jehovah God speaking those things that are not as though they already are. Looking ahead. Listen, O isles, unto me. Hearken, ye people, from afar the Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. His name shall be called Jesus. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. He made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. And he said, it is a light, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be to my servant, be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Verse four. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. That's in your Bible for a reason. The next time you get discouraged, the man Christ Jesus, scoot your body. The man Christ Jesus, now glorified, can come off that throne and put your head on his bosom and say, I know you're feeling bad. It's Pastor Mayo, but for right now, it's Rick. I know he, God can call him anything he wants. <laughs> Don't feel bad, thou worm, Rick. 
I know what it feels like to be where you're at, yet without sin. What do you do? You hang in there, baby. My work's with him. I'm not stopping. I'm going forward. I'm not giving up. He knows where everybody's at. That's why he uses worms and he uses men. At one point, he said, I feel like a worm. Now there's one sitting on the throne. I'm almost done. In fact, musicians, could you come? This is why Philippians 1, 6, Paul understood it. That's why he would speak of the, in Galatians, of the Israel of God. But he says in 1, 6 of Philippians, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. One paraphrase puts it on this wise. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. On our worst day, that worm's a caterpillar. The butterfly's coming, baby. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. There's a reason Jesus talked about 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. He said, it's all good soil. Amen. You can be seated just for a moment. I just wanted him up here to give us hope. Give us more hope. That's why 1 Corinthians 12, God set some in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts, healings, helps, diversities of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of miracles have all the gifts of healing do all speak with tongues meaning meant to be interpreted do all interpret that's the gift of tongues meant to be interpreted not the Holy Ghost tongues the answer is no Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a part to play. That's why the kingdom of heaven is like a man going into a far country. He calls to his servants. He gives one five talents, another two talents, and another one talent according to their several ability. But he will use all of them. That's why we have gifts differing. Regardless, by the mercies of God, we present our bodies living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, 
That's our reasonable service. We're not conformed to this world. We are continually, I'm paraphrasing, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're continually proving what's good, acceptable, and perfect. And Paul said, I'm telling you through the grace given unto me, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Think soberly because God deals to every man the measure of faith. We've got many members in one body. Not all members have the same office. We are many members in Christ. But as one body, we got gifts differing. So according to the grace given to us. If it's prophecy, we prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Ministry, we wait on our ministering. Teacheth on exhortation. And on and on. Let's stand. This is why he said, fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure comes a woman she breaks an alabaster box she's weeping she pours it on head and hands and feet Judas starts the complaining others pick up the tune and Jesus said let her alone don't trouble her and then he says listen close she hath done what she could God wants to use your hands. Hold up your hand. God wants to use your hands. He wants to use your feet. He wants to use your mind. He wants to use your prayers. He wants to use your giving if it's two mites or two million. He'll use it. He'll use your victories and he'll use your defeats. He'll use your strengths. He'll use your weaknesses. He loves everybody here. He'll use everybody here. He'll help everybody here. He's not willing that any, any should perish. Oh. fact you're here today I'm going to tell you something sometimes we think we know you never know what God's doing
She told her relative, I will not be back while that man's there. I said, why? He make you mad? No, he scared me. When he walked up to me, he told me something that only God could have known. The only one in the world that could have known that was God. And that's what he spoke to me. And she said, you know why I'm not going back? Because I fought conviction so hard. She said, I'm afraid to go back because if I keep fighting that kind of conviction, I don't want to end up a reprobate. They'll quote Acts 2.38. They'll explain the oneness of God. They know it because she made it a point to teach it to them. Sometimes we think we know, but we don't know what's all going down there. I'm here to tell you, I don't know, he could come before this message is over, but I'm here to tell you something. We don't know when he's coming, but God's moving in this earth. He's dealing with people. He's not done yet. He's not done with you. He's not done with your neighbor. He's not done with your kids. He will use everybody under the sound of my voice. Is there anybody you're ready. Here I come, Jesus. It's good to know you're not giving up on me. You're going to use me. Step out. Come down. Make yourself available.